0: There's just so much more to hear.
1: Download our podcast at DubaiEye1038.com. From the Intercontinental Hotel in Dubai Festival City.
0: This is Talking of Books.
1: Live at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. Hear from the world's greatest writers.
2: On Dubai i 103.8. Hello, hello, hello. We are broadcasting live from the festival. Yes, we are. It is wonderful to be here with you. We are talking to some incredible adventurers, writers and illustrators on the show today. And if you missed it, yes, we are at the Intercontinental Events Centre. There are still tickets available, so do come on down, say hello and join us. We are in fact starting with a combination of all three adventurers, writers, illustrators in a way because Gavin Thurston has perfected the art of capturing the perfect image um, he's an award-winning cameraman specializing in wildlife he's traveled and filmed on all seven continents both poles i believe and worked on i think 18 of sir david attenborough's series including blue planet 2 planet earth 2 and our planet and it's so wonderful to have you with us on the show today gavin thank you for joining us
1: well thank you very much for inviting me on it's great to be here
2: i also have to introduce of course my wonderful co-host isabel abel it has
0: been an amazing um we plan this. I mean, more than a year's worth of planning goes into the festival every year. And I think this, in my view, is the best festival we've ever had. It's been the energy, the buzz, the excitement, the best group of authors we've ever had. I mean, seriously, they have been, um, they have been flying and they've taken audiences with them, uh, literally, uh, that people are just so excited. All nationalities, all genres, all ages, everyone is here and celebrating wonderful writers and wonderful speakers. And Gavin, I love the title of your session that's later today. It's at 6pm, Journeys in the Wild, The Secret Life of a Cameraman. And um, I just can't imagine how, how how you must feel when you get those perfect shots. So tell us a little bit about, about your life and why you ended up doing the job you do.
1: Uh, well, when I was at school, when I was young, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, to be honest, I'm nearly 60. I still really have no idea w- what direction my career is going in. Um and so I've been a wildlife cameraman now for, oh god, 37 years. That's making me sound really old, isn't it? Thank god you it's not TV. Young. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, the check's in the post. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been very fortunate for the last 37 years to be travelling our planet, seeing the most spectacular, amazing um, you know, wild places. And the beauty of television is that you can then share those images with people around the globe.
0: Well, millions and millions and millions. And we know that um, Sir David Attenborough's um, uh, Blue Planet and all of his um, wonderful work that you have collaborated with him and been the person to catch those images, it changes how we behave. It changes our behavior and it is an incredible thing. So when you see wildlife, you start to understand that we are only one small part of those creatures who are inhabiting our planet, and we need to be reminded of that.
1: Yeah, I suppose um, these wildlife programs led by somebody like Sir David, who's such, you know, he's the ultimate storyteller. um, I suppose, basically, it's an education. It's kind of cloaked as entertainment, but it's an education, and it's amazing. As I say, you you mentioned Blue Planet 2. When that went out in the UK, that was seen by a quarter of the British population on the night it went out. So 30 or 14 million viewers watched that. Um, And 14 million viewers were affected by it. um, And they all picked up on the same thing, which was how beautiful the the planet is, but also how we're destroying it, basically, bit by bit. Not deliberately, I don't think, but um, bit by bit we are destroying it. And the thing they really picked up on was plastic use. And as you probably know, ultimately it changed government policy in the UK. Mm. Um, I was saying to somebody the other day, You know, say we're chatting here now in the the lobby of the hotel. What would happen now if I lit up a cigarette? There would be absolute horror, wouldn't there? Yes. People people would stare at you. Well, in the UK now, it's almost the same if you use a plastic straw. If you're in a cafe and you use a plastic straw, you'll get people sort of glaring at you and tutting Mm -hmm. and so on, particularly the younger generation. And that, I think, Blue Planet 2 was just the kind of the final catalyst it that was, really made yes, people realise. Yeah, I totally agree. So, no, so became, it's a very powerful medium. We became
0: a plastic-free festival two years ago. Um, Fantastic. And um, because we do this, it's not in our own home. You know, we take over the whole of the conference centre and the two hotels. Um, and so we had to persuade them that this would be a really good thing to do. And they have they have... Grasp it with with two hands and they now have their own sustainability policy we we have no plastic bottles anywhere there's a, a free water fountain we can get sparkling i mean imagine sparkling and still water posh water, yeah. posh water yeah. whatever you want whatever yeah. takes your fancy and we encourage everyone to bring refillable bottles and i haven't thank goodness this year i have not seen a, um, a thing we had the bosch um uh, ian and um Oh, my... Henry and Ian. Henry and Ian, the the, the, the Bosch uh, wonderful program. Uh, We had a vegan dinner and they have been talking about, you know, not saying to everyone become vegetarian and vegan, but think about what you're eating. Think about where it comes from and think about its impact on the planet. So a lot of speakers, including you at the festival this year, are helping us understand Better what we each of us can do because it's no point saying we're helpless it doesn't matter it does every single person really needs to think about their responsibility to keep the planet for tomorrow for tomorrow's future generations
1: I think the ultimate thing is if you have children or you have friends who have children could you really look them in the eye in 10 or 15 years time and say oh I did nothing to help the planet yeah sorry elephants have disappeared sorry our oceans are choked up with plastics um, that's the other thing is, can you honestly, you know, look a child in the eye? The other, uh, the other thing I, that was really interesting, uh, about a year or two ago, uh, I think it was on Twitter or something, I saw that somebody said, just imagine explaining to your, I don't know if you, you have grandchildren, just imagine explaining to, your, explaining to your young grandchildren, do you not, there was a time when we used to have a cup of coffee, and after we'd finished the coffee, we'd just throw the cup away. Next time we wanted a cup of coffee, we'd another plastic cup, and we'd just throw it away. It's when you see it like that, it seems such a ridiculous idea. Mm. I mean, thankfully now I have a... You have a proper cup. Yeah, I have cup. a proper, a cup, proper but it's cup, it's much nicer to drink out yes. of. It's reusable, yes, yeah. sustainable. No, we yeah, all yeah. need
0: to We all need to take responsibility. Yeah. Every single person out there listening today to Dubai Eye, get rid of any plastic that you you you, or you use. Keep using one, it, keep yeah, using it, keep using it. One yeah. use plastic, get yeah. rid of it. Yeah. I mean I've we've done away with straws for a long time. My grandchildren don't know what a straw is, thank yeah. God. Um, and you've got to you've got to actually make an effort yourself to change our ways. I grew up in a world I'm older than you, but I grew up in a world where there were no plastic bottles there was no water no. we got water from the tap well, I'm in old glass. enough to remember that too yes yeah. and um you know there was nothing there were no plastic bags in shops you know my mother always had her her shopping bags hanging up that she took with her so please but we want to get on I want to hear about those magical moments of your life as it what did we say it was the secret life of a cameraman behind that well, camera. It's not so secret now.
1: It's in a book, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest. If only if you read it, of course. Well, what would you like to know?
0: I'd like mm. to know. I'd like to know the most unexpected moments, and uh, first of all, the most unexpected magical moments, but the unexpected terrifying moments. I'm sure there must be both.
1: Yeah, I suppose one thing that really sticks in my mind is um, I, wo- I like working with primates. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a zoologist, botanist, whatever. Um, I like working with primates because they're fairly easy to read. So your average Mm. person can watch a monkey or an ape. And you can kind of interpret what they're doing because they're very similar to us. So I've worked a lot with gorillas. I spent a lot of time in Central Africa. And there was one time I was filming gorillas and they were in this open clearing um, called a bai in in the forest. And it's like a magnet for all the animals. You get elephant, buffalo, sitatunga, Red River hogs, you name it. Um, And, of course, gorillas. And I've been filming these gorillas for an hour or so as they worked their way through the by eating water lily tubers and things. Um, but the by was a beautiful swirl of colour because there were thousands and thousands of these sort of reddish butterflies swirling around. And each time a gorilla would move it would stir the butterflies, they'd go up in a tornado of colour. And I was just looking down the long lens watching a female eating but she had her back sort of three quarters to me. And as she was eating she was like sort of chewing away just watching these butterflies and then without any word of warning she grabbed a butterfly with her left hand and held her hand up to her eye, and just slowly opened her hand, and watched this butterfly take off and fly off, and she watched it fly away, and then she carried on eating. And, of course, I wasn't running the camera, but it's one of the most magical moments I've seen. It said so much about gorillas, in terms of their character. If it had been a chimpanzee, it would have grabbed it, chomped it in its mouth, and <laughs> spat it out, probably. <laughs> probably because um, they're
0: a bit nearer to us than uh, uh, having that yeah, sort yeah. of, uh, but... but um, Dr Jane Goodall was here at a pre-festival event and um, obviously she she is uh, a a specialist in primates and it was fascinating and what was so wonderful was the number of young people that were at her talk and also all but one question was asked by them and they are our future because they do not want our planet, our world to be destroyed any further. They want to turn the clock back and they want to reclaim. And, and make sure we're doing whatever it takes so that was that was an amazing amazing experience and you didn't have the camera running but i've, I've missed loads of great heart. stuff i've missed
1: loads of great yes, stuff in my time that's what
2: i actually wanted to ask you as well i mean sherlock has his moriarty batman has his joker what what creature or animal has eluded you
1: um I've spent a lot of time filming Leopard. That's probably, if I had a top five, the Mm. Leopard would be my top five. They're beautiful, elegant animals. I know you used to have them here. I believe they're not in uh, this part of the world anymore, Um, uh, but they are beautiful. But they're they're the ultimate sort of disappearing artist, Uh, even though when you see one, you know, if you see one in a photograph, you've got all those spots, they're very conspicuous. But actually they're the most amazing um, artists that are blending in, disappearing into a landscape, disappearing into grass or whatever. You can have your eyes on one and they can just melt into a landscape. And then 20 minutes later, you've been watching that spot with binoculars or whatever. 20 minutes later, they'll just pop up on a rock. And you think, how on earth have they moved from there to there? If they don't want to be seen, they won't be seen. And I I have a lot of respect for that, really, that sort of um, the ability just to melt away.
2: And I think that's something that we don't appreciate as, as viewers of these wonderful programs, is they're so beautiful, but we don't see what happens in the wings, that often a, a lot of the waiting, well. <laughs> a, oh, right. a lot of waiting, <laughs> I would imagine, a lot of missed opportunities, and, and I mean having to go back the next day.
1: Yeah, I mean, in natural history filmmaking, of course, there's loads and loads of waiting. You c- it's not like actors where something will just happen on cue. Mm. For instance, if you go to East Africa and you want to film a lion hunt, you almost have to be there four weeks, so that's 28 days straight. You know, you don't take days off. Uh, 28 days straight to be able to guarantee seeing, uh, and even then it's not guarantee, uh, but guarantee seeing lions hunting. Um, yeah, so it, there is a lot of time spent waiting, but somebody was saying to me the other day, and actually in Kenya I was saying that um, there was a particular Toyota Land Cruiser that I spent a lot of time in um, called Lizzie. <laughs> uh, Lizzie was a really old, beaten up old Land Cruiser, but a great uh, filming platform. And um, I worked out that I'd spent six complete months, that's day, night, day, night, six complete months sat in the passenger seat of that car over four years. And somebody said, oh my God, how on earth can you spend so much time sitting in one chair? And I said, oh, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm an accountant. I said, (laughs) so you sit in the same chair eight hours a day, five days a week, four weeks a month, whatever. And you're judging me. Yeah, and you're judging me. So, you know, add up how many hours you've spent in that chair. But... I've, I've got the most amazing view from my office window and it changes depending on which country and, and which habitat I'm in.
0: I was going to say, so we've talked about Africa and, and the beautiful wildlife. Um, have you done anything sort of about, uh, do you film sea life as well? Or are you mainly focused on, on land?
1: I'll have a go at anything. Oh. I've got no, <laughs> no, I mean, most people are specialised, but I just keen to, I see, I'm keen to just I love variety yes um, yes yeah, so actually for Blue Planet 2 I was very fortunate to be asked to work on uh, program Two, uh, the deep program mm-hmm. and um, uh, I spent over 500 hours in a submersible going down to a thousand meters underwater Goodness. so I've seen things that nobody else will ever see nobody's seen before and in that time I've spent in this uh, in the submersible usually it was me the producer um, and the pilot and this immersive space, we're in a perspex bubble, six foot diameter, so there's not much space in there. You're in it for 10 hours at a stretch. Um, but some days, I would, Orla would swap out the, the producer, um, and a scientist would come down. And I'd point out the scientist, see, see that thing there? We're down in the dark depth somewhere, at 700 meters. I said, see that thing there? We've been seeing loads of those. What are those? And the scientist looks at it and he says, I've got no idea. And I love the fact that actually there are things on this planet we've never ever seen and actually, for the young explorers, you think everything on the surface of the Earth has been explored. Everybody goes up, Everest these days. Uh, but actually, we've got, um, you know, there's so much yet to discover beneath our waves.
2: How animals don't necessarily, they don't play by any rules. Um, and they can, they can be a bit cheeky with, with gear, can't they?
1: They can indeed. I mean, I like anybody cheeky. I'm, well, I try and be cheeky whenever I can. Um, yeah, so working with tok macaques in Sri Lanka, Um, they roam around in gangs, family groups of, I don't know, 30 or so. Um, they're omnivores, so they'll eat lizards, insects, seeds, fruit, birds, eggs, you name it. So they're very inquisitive. So, if you leave a camera bag down, for instance, they'll have a look in it to see if there's any rice or bananas or whatever it might be.
2: Let's have a listen to what happened.
1: Try and line up for that. Hey, 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 hey. Cheeky monkeys. Thank goodness the hire company didn't see that. (laughs) Well, obviously, without a picture, you can't tell what it was doing, but it was I'd gone to get something, and it was climbing all over the camera. Um, And they're not particularly delicate when they're trying to rip off lens caps and eye cups and all the rest of it to see if there's any food in there. Yeah, Um,
2: my last monkey experience involved uh, all of my toiletries being stolen from an outdoor bathroom (laughs) and being scattered all across the room. So, yeah, yeah. They are are, um, very cheeky. Um so has this w- has this always been something that you that you wanted to do when was the kind of turning point that I, I read I read your book there is a, there is a wonderful Oh thank m- you that's you there and my mother now <laughs> <laughs> There is a, a wonderful moment with something called a box brownie, which initially, before I read the description, made me very hungry. But can you kind of explain that a little can bit? Can I just say, I had a box brownie. It was in a little yellow,
0: yellow, It had a, I've st- I was probably still in the attic. So the camera sat in this lovely sort of box and was very precious.
1: It was the most, uh, it was the most common camera uh, back in the day. I mean, there were tens of thousands of these things. It's a literally little square box. Um, it's got a waist level viewfinder, so you mm. don't look through the lens you're photographing. It takes a roll of um, I think 12 pictures and it's very basic, literally you point at the thing you want to photograph, push the button and then you drop the film off at the chemist or whatever, pick it up two weeks later and you see the results. It's not like an iPhone or something now where you snap it and straight away you can see whether you've got the shot. Um, so for me that's what instilled a, a passion in photography because I, I had a school um, trip to um, a local zoo And the fourth picture on the roll I took was of an orca leaping out of the water. We know now orcas should not be in zoos, they should not be in swimming pools, they should be roaming free, but that thankfully has been corrected globally. Um, But I told my mother after the day when I got home, I said, oh yeah, we saw elephants and giraffe and this giant fish out of the water, the orca. And of course, two weeks later when we picked up the photographs from the chemist, I showed her and I said, there you are. You see, I told you I'd seen this giant fish thing leaping out, tapping its nose on a beach ball." And it was that, literally, it was that moment when I realised the power of photography that, I mean, if I had that photograph with me now, I've still got it at home, I can show that split-second moment when I push the trigger from, God, 47 years ago. How long? <laughs> <laughs> so, and yes, it was black and white.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possibly an, an, an impossible question, but besides that photo, do you have a favourite kind of video or photo that you've taken that you're really proud of because of the amount of work that went into getting the shot?
1: Um, for me, the sort of photographs and the, the images, the videos and so on, are more, m- more of a memory jogger. For me, the actual experience is way more important than the photograph. Right. Um, and as I said earlier, I told the story of um, missing the shot of the gorilla catching and looking at a butterfly and letting it go. Um, that, For me, the memory of that is way more powerful than any photograph I've taken. So, I mean, any budding photographers, any budding naturalists don't worry about the photograph just get out there and actually see i've seen so much of this world through one eye through a camera lens and actually in a way the camera gets in the way i'd much rather see something with two eyes so the photograph all that means you can share that moment or the video it's not as important as actually seeing the real things with your own eyes get out there and see the wildlife experience smell it breathe it
2: see it hear it if we're talking about powerful photography though and powerful photographs of yours there is one that i've seen that involves an elvis costume and a Komodo Dragon, and I feel like our listeners, and also I, would like some explanation.
1: You're gonna have to stick this on your website, aren't you? Because otherwise, <laughs> nobody's gonna know what on earth we're talking about. <laughs> um, when I was traveling, um, I, I went to the States with my wife, and we were killing some time, went into a shop, and I saw an Elvis mask. It was a rubber Elvis mask, and I think it was six or seven dollars, so I don't know what made me buy it, but I bought this mask thinking, you know, maybe a year or two down the line, it'd be good for a fancy dress party. Anyway, that Christmas, my wife and my two boys, my two sons, uh, gave me an Elvis costume for Christmas. That sounds very elaborate, but this thing, literally, you squash it down, it's lycra. You can squash it down and fit it in the palm of two hands. So it's very lightweight, it's great for travel. Anyway, so I started travelling with the Elvis uh, mask. This is sounding really stupid now. <laughs> The Elvis mask and the Elvis suit. Um, and I thought it'd be quite fun just to get photographs of Elvis in different situations. So I've got an El- a, a picture of Elvis with a... Um, a Nile crocodile. I've got a picture of Elvis with two black rhino on foot. Uh, That's probably the only photograph of Elvis with two black rhino. But I was in Komodo in Indonesia and um, somebody there had a blue guitar and I said, excuse me, do you mind if I can borrow your blue guitar? And hence the photograph of me, or Elvis I should say, Elvis attacking a Komodo with a, a blue guitar. But what's quite interesting about that photograph is it's kind of symbolic of human's dominance over wildlife Mm. you know the komodo is i don't know whether it's vulnerable or you know um i mean it's certainly pretty rare it's only on a few islands and um you know man's decadence dressed in a white suit blue guitar all that sort of nonsense um it's kind of symbolic of man's dominance over nature yeah um even though it's got a funny side to it
2: Uh, Something that you've experienced is that we're actually quite small in comparison, I suppose. Um, I went to your talk the other night at dispatches from the wilderness and kind of feeling dwarfed by the wilderness and the jungle around you and and how you had to be so careful and so attuned to your surroundings. Um, So you've had a lens hood bitten off by a Siberian tiger, I believe.
1: That was careless.
2: Um, You've been slapped on the back by a silverback gorilla.
1: Also foolish of me, (laughs) yeah.
2: Um, How do you stay safe and kind of why how are you still with us
1: (laughs) um as i say, i've traveled the globe i've been from the north pole to the south pole i've worked on every all seven continents i've been on in every habitat from the himalayas to the deserts to the bottom of the ocean um and i think that what i've learned is the most the most dangerous animal on this planet is ourselves is Mm. humans our own stupidity for one um and you know the way we're poisoning the planet with planet uh, with you know, toxins, plastics, whatever it might be. Um, there's no animal I know on this planet that will maliciously harm another animal or kill another animal. And yet, you see how many people die every year at the hand of guns or at war or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, basically, humans are pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, humans being stupid makes us dangerous. So, there's not really any animal I'm frightened of. You know, we know about sharks attacking, you know, aren't sharks dangerous, they attack and kill people. Look at the statistics, sharks kill two people a year in the whole, on the whole planet. Uh, Guns alone in America will kill 12,000 people. So no, for me, I'd much rather face a charging elephant or swimming with a shark than I would um, a human in a dodgy situation. Yeah,
2: fair enough.
0: Can we just remind all of our listeners, Gavin Thurston, who is our star on Dubai Eye with us on Talking of Books today, his session is today, 6 p.m., at the Intercon uh, Festival City, and it's called Journeys in the Wild The Secret Life of a Cameraman. I think that's a brilliant, um, a brilliant uh, title because um, you're going to share secrets, obviously, lots and lots of secrets of, of being behind that lens and um, being able then to share what you have seen to a vast number of people, those special moments. And we, you know, I'm pretty much an armchair wildlife traveller. I love watching anything like that because it's so beautifully done and you feel, you can hear the sound, the sort of crystal clearness of that silence or bird song, things like that, Um, animal sounds. And you feel, you know, the rustle of leaves. It's just amazing what you do and how you share that. We don't have to travel there because what we see... It's a result of huge amount of work that you do over days and weeks and months to bring those those images and share them with us, and hopefully make us all realise how precious wildlife is and that wildlife needs to have the wild to be able to continue.
1: And we need wildlife. Um, You know, we've evolved on this planet alongside wildlife, alongside nature. Um, And it's interesting, even if you live in a city. I mean, do you do you have a pet or do you have a garden? Yes. Yes. So you have a pet? Do you have a garden? Do yes. you have house plants? Yes. Isn't it amazing? We'll make these lovely concrete homes, which are comfortable to live in, with air conditioning and sofas and tellies and so on. And yet, we will still, most of us, will bring an element of nature into our houses. We'll, you know whether it's a pet cat or dog or goldfish, or a pot plant on the windowsill? Um, we all want a connection with nature. This lovely hotel we're in. If you go out on the balcony for a coffee, you'll notice they've planted it up with, um, you know, with palm trees and. You know, all sorts, to bring nature. So you can sit amongst nature and the minor birds and the hoopoos and so on while you're having breakfast. Um, So we need nature in our lives. And to be honest, it would be much better to have nature in the raw, you know, where it's supposed to be, rather than destroying it and having to rebuild it.
2: Yeah, um, so I just want to let you know that you can also you can check out the Komodo dragon photo that we were talking about um, on Dubai i1038's Twitter account as well. Um, and There's we a bit of a stir going on. There, there is a bit, of a, a bit of a stir going we've on. we joined
1: by two very official. They're either racing drivers or pilots. I they can't tell. They are astronauts. Okay, we've pilots. got Hazar <laughs> Al Mansoori
0: Sultan <laughs> Al Naidi who um, who were here a year ago. Um, and that was before um, uh, the uh, UA had sent their first astronaut to the uh, space station wow. and since then um, uh, they, you've been on a whirlwind tour, we're going to be hearing from you in a minute um, and just to say we are speaking to Gavin Thurston yeah. and he's telling us all about the secret life of uh, a cameraman having been part of David Attenborough's wonderful wonderful um, videos over the thing, and I know you took lots of shots, uh, Hazar, when you were on air. Which uh, when you were in air, when you are in space, looking down at our beautiful, beautiful planet.
1: I'm very jealous of that. I filmed. <laughs> I've filmed two space shuttle launches, and I've filmed uh, rocket launches from Tanegashima in Japan. And each time I've watched those rockets hurtle into space, I've thought, my God, what would I give to be on that thing and to see? I mean, it must be amazing. It'd be great to hear you talk about it. It must be amazing to. Um, to look down on our planet Earth. But also, doesn't uh, perhaps it makes you, you realise how vulnerable it is as a planet. But I know it'd be great to hear what you have to say about that later.
2: Uh, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and though we have to say goodbye to you on the show right now, everyone listening can come and say hello at 6pm this evening at the Literature Festival. Intercontinental Event Centre in Festival City is where everything is happening. Gavin will be speaking about his book Journeys in the Wild, The Secret Life of a Cameraman.
0: There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcast at Dubai Eye 1038.com.